I want to read a story today. Something that happened a long time ago. But it's important for us today. And so I want to read the story. <clears throat> if you have your Bible, I invite you to turn to the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 32, and read verses 1 through 8, and then 15 through 24. Exodus 32, beginning with verse 1. Now when the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who go before us. And as for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to him. Aaron answered them, Take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing. Bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. And he took what they handed him and made it into an idol cast into the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said to him, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. And when Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, Tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. And afterward they sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go down because your people whom you brought up out of Egypt have become corrupt. They've been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, These are your gods, O Israel who brought you up out of Egypt. Then skipping over to verse 15, after Moses intercedes for these people, Moses turned and went down the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands, and they were inscribed on both sides, front and back. And the tablets were the work of God. The writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. When Joshua heard the noise of the people shouting, he said to Moses, there's a sound of war in the camp. And Moses replied, it is not the sound of victory, it is not the sound of defeat. It is the sound of singing that I hear. And when Moses approached the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, his anger burned. He threw the tablets out of his hands, breaking them into pieces at the foot of the mountain. Then he took the calf they had made and burned it in the fire, ground it to powder, scattered it on the water, and made the Israelites to drink it. He said to Aaron, What did these people do to you that you led them into such great sin? Do not be angry, my Lord, Aaron answered. You know how prone these people are to evil? They said to me, Make us gods who go before us. And as for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to him. So I told them, Whoever has gold jewelry, take it off. And they gave me the gold and I threw it into the fire and out came this calf. First Corinthians chapter 10. Verses 1 through 12. I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact that Brothers, that our forefathers were all under the cloud. 
They all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food. They drank the spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with them, with most of them, and their bodies were scattered over the desert. Now, these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in pagan revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did, and in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test the Lord as some of them did and were killed by snakes, and do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the age has come. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. For no temptation has seized you except what is common to man, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Well, there's something God wants us to learn today from this story. The story that happened many years ago in the book of Exodus, and the scripture says this is a warning for us because it has application for our lives today. And it's warning us here about idolatry. If you remember from last week, we're, we're talking about this highway of holiness that God has built for us through the desert. But there are all kinds of exits off of this road. And beginning next Sunday, we're going to be talking about some of those specific exits and what they look like, and what it looks like to get off the road, and what it looks like to walk on the road in specific areas in our culture today. Idolatry is taking a different road. Idolatry is when we, we give in to the, the temptations around us to try something other than looking to God as our sole source of trust and faith and provision. So there's two situations here, and they're very parallel. So let's just take a moment, if we're going to understand what's going on here, let's just take a moment and look at the situation then and, and the situation now. So here were the people of God. They were enslaved to Egypt. Many of them were born into slavery. I mean, they had no choice in the matter. And what God did was he, he raised up a rescuer whose name was Moses. And he sent Moses in who did miraculous signs and, and took the people and led them out of bondage through the Red Sea, through the water, in a very miraculous way. And then out in the desert, he provided miraculously living water out of, out of the rock and manna that came down from heaven, and guidance through a fiery cloud, uh, a fiery uh, a piece of, is a pillar actually, a fire at night, and then a, a cloud during the day. And we see that God was leading them through the desert to the promised land that he had in store for them. And a day comes when Israel decides to exit the highway God had built. And so they take a detour. And they get off the road. And they would spend 40 years on that detour. 
They turned away from God in seeking the comfort that they needed in their situation, and they began looking to other gods. As we read in the story, even created these idols. And so that was the situation then. You and I have never been, most of us have never been in Egypt. Uh, most of us have not been through the Red Sea. And so what, what, what's the application for us? Well, here's the situation now. Because this whole scenario was really a, is really simply a metaphor and a symbol of, of life for all of us. Because we were enslaved to sin and the God of this age. The Bible says we were born into that slavery in much the same way that the Israelites were. And so God raises up a rescuer. And we know in the Old Testament, Moses was a type of Christ, kind of a pre-runner, an example of what ultimately God would do in sending Christ. He comes, he performs miraculous signs, and he, he frees us from this enemy. And really, baptism is a, is a symbol. Coming out of the water is very much a symbol of the Red Sea in which God has destroyed the enemy and provided our freedom in him. And now we see that he gives us the bread of life. He gives us manna from himself. He has given us to guide us through our lives, not a pillar of fire at night or a cloud by day, but he's given his own spirit to come and dwell within us. And you and I are, are going somewhere. We're heading somewhere. We, we looked at this road yesterday as we were looking at Hilton's life and realizing that, you know, he, he has been on this road that God has been leading him on, and that is the road that God takes all of his people on. It's, it has a destination, and it's Zion, Jerusalem, the very presence and the courts of God. And so we see here that Israel stepped off this road that God was guiding us on, and Paul, in the book of 1 Corinthians, and says, he warns us, he says, you know what? You can do the same thing. You can. You can get off of this road that God is leading you to Zion, this, this wonderful place of blessing. So why would we want to get off the road? Why did the people do this? Well, this morning, I'm going to mention just, just briefly, but here are, as, as I walk through this story, here, here are five things that we see. Number one, we see it right away in verse 1. It says, When the people saw Moses was so long in coming down from the mount. It was so long. You know how long it took Moses? Moses said that he would be gone for 40 days. The people counted the day he left, which is only a partial, partial day. Moses was not counting that day. And so on day 39 according to what they thought, or on day 40, it was really 39 full days that Moses had been gone. On day, what the people thought was day 40, but really 39, this is what took place. He was one day late. One day longer. But it was so long. And you can bet that the whining and the complaining probably started after a week. And they're going, he's never going to come back. He's not going to come back. You know, what are we going to do? Our leader's gone. You know, now what are we going to do? And it had been so long. The first thing that will cause us to get off the road is impatience. 
impatience. This is often where idolatry starts. We're waiting for God for something and it's taking longer than we think. And so we go looking somewhere else. Uh, how many of you have done this in traffic? You're sitting somewhere and you, you know what? You go, you know what? This is taking too long. I'm going to get off here and see if I can't get around here some other way. Any of you done that? And ended up spending hours off somewhere, little towns you never knew existed. Okay? <clears throat> it took us, how long did it take us to get back from? <clears throat> we were down at a wedding in northern, north, north side of Milwaukee. It took us over four hours to get back. And uh, that was the exact scenario. <laughs> so, this happens, doesn't it? We, we get impatient in our lives. We live in a we we live in a in a fast food culture. I mean, we're instant people. I was in a I was at a fast food place a couple weeks ago, and I, I think it took like seven minutes to get my food. I'm going. What is this? This is a fast food place. I mean, seven minutes to get your food. If you're on your computer, imagine it. I could go on my computer and I could Google Earth uh, my daughter's apartment through a satellite in Kathmandu, Nepal, and if it takes 30 minutes or 30 seconds to come up, I'm thinking, I need a new computer. <laughs> I mean, if it takes 30 seconds for a website to come up on your computer, we in this culture do not do well at waiting. Impatience. Impatience is a key thing. And the people here were, were impatient. And so they got off the road. Because there are so many unknowns and so many questions. Here's the second one. It says, come, make us gods who will go before us. So now we see their impatience has moved them to a, a state of unbelief. <clears throat> it seemed like God was in this thing. I mean, there were some strange things that had happened. <clears throat> God had called this man Moses out of the desert. And, and then he had come and, I mean, there had been locusts and frogs and rivers turning to blood and blood on the door mantle and all of the firstborn Israel died and theirs didn't. And, and oh yeah, there was that thing where, yeah, the seas, you know, I guess they did part, that was right. And we went through and our enemy was destroyed and we saw water coming out of rocks and manna down from heaven and quail to nourish us. But we can't trust this God anymore. Our leader's gone and he's, he's, he's not coming back, probably. God must have forgotten us. He, he must be busy with somebody else. He, he must be involved somewhere else. And so we, we, can't, we can't trust God anymore. We're tired of this extreme faith thing that God has called us to. We want a God we can touch and we can control. 
Whenever you take an exit into idolatry, it always involves unbelief. Just remember that. Whenever you get off the road, whenever you find yourself in some sin, some dead-end street, it always involves unbelief. There's something that you cease to believe about God to be true or something you started believing that's not true. And so, you know, if you're there, just ask yourself the question, what am, what am I believing about God here that's not true? Maybe you're sitting here today and you're worried. You're just like anxious. You're so anxious. Ask yourself the question, what are you believing about God that's not true? You're, <clears throat> you're believing that God can't handle your situation. You're thinking that God doesn't care about you and your situation. I mean, if he did, he'd, he'd be doing something, right? On, on your timetable, my timetable. He'd be doing something that we can figure out in our little brains that he should do. And so we can easily find ourselves in this place of unbelief. We read in the New Testament that the, the primary reason why God's people could not enter the promised land was not their rebellion. It was their unbelief. It was a, the, the unbelief is what led to their rebellion. Hebrews 3.19, you can read it there. It says they could not enter his rest because of their unbelief. We doubt God's love because we don't feel it. We question his power because he's not doing for us what we're asking him to do. We question his, his timing and things. Even though he's told us that his ways are as high as the heavens are above the earth, so, high, so much higher are God's ways than your ways. <clears throat> and yet we think we should be able to figure it out. If it doesn't make sense to us, then, then God must have dropped the ball. Unbelief. So we exit the highway, and there are thousands of other gods waiting to promise you to meet the needs that you have in your life. Here's the next one. <clears throat> and we see it here in the statement. As for this fellow Moses, we don't know what's happened to him. As, as for this guy, you know, this fellow Moses? Do you know who Moses is? Moses was a guy that put his life on the line before Pharaoh that said yes to God, that he would take on the leadership of a million and a half people. This is the man that, that led them through all of this. This is the man that's on his knees pleading with God not to destroy the people in God's anger as they sinned against him. I mean, this is the man that had given his, his life this is a man who at age 80 who should have been shopping down at King's Camper for a motorhome to retire. Age 80 takes on this task and responds to God's call. And now he's up on, on the mountain on their behalf receiving the covenant that God is doing and they call him this fellow Moses. Ingratitude, ingratitude is another part of going after other gods. God had done so much for these people. I mean, he had just done so much for them. 
so many things. And they had apparently forgotten about it all, about Pharaoh, about the Red Sea, about water out of the rock, manna down from heaven. I mean, all these things God had done, and they, they did not appreciate it. They so quickly forgot. And when we're not thankful, it's not that there aren't a hundred things to be thankful for. It's just that we've gotten, we've gotten zeroed in on this one thing that's, that's not working for us. And we become unthankful. We, com- we become focused on that one thing that is not being fulfilled and we forget the goodness of God to us. <clears throat> Here's number four. The next thing we see that comes in is compromise. Compromise. Now, now you get the sense here as you read the story that Aaron is trying to somehow kind of salvage, salvage the situation that's gotten out of control. Now, the text doesn't tell us this, so I don't know if I'm going to tell you next is true or not. But rabbinical tradition says that it was here for the man by the name of Hur. You know, it was Aaron and Hur that held up Moses' arms. And Hur was one of the leaders here. According to rabbinic tradition, when this happened and they tried to subdue the people, they killed Ur. If that is the case, uh, you can imagine uh, the pressure on Aaron here to try and find a compromise. And, and so you get the sense of that. You know, in verse 4, in Exodus, in, in the story, it says, He took what they handed him and made it into an idol, cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. And they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. So, you know, it's, he's not saying these are necessarily different gods, but these are kind of, you know, this is now the God that brought you out of Egypt. These are symbolic representations of that. We see in verse 5 that when the, when the calf came there, it says that Aaron built an altar in front of the calf. So he builds this altar, and it's interesting, he announces in verse 5 that they're going to have a festival to who? A festival to the Lord. But they're going to have a golden calf right in back of the altar. And so they came, and in the morning they sacrificed... And then in the evening, it broke out into revelry, which literally means sex party. <clears throat> and it was a wild orgy of sorts that took place. This is what we call synchronism. This is when we try and combine uh, religions together and, and make everything work. And so they took the God that brought them out and the gods of Egypt, and, and there's an altar and the festival to the Lord and the golden calf. And Aaron is trying to somehow salvage this situation without perhaps losing his life. In our day, this whole thing about tolerance, it's it's really not about tolerating, it's really about trying to force everyone to say or believe that all truth is equal. That Mormon truth and and Muslim truth and Christian truth are, it's not tolerating. In other words, it's not saying, you know what, I'm not going to, tolerating is saying, I'm not going to destroy you, or I'm not going to be uncaring about you because you believe something different. But tolerance in our day has gone way beyond that. In our day, it's your truth is as valid as my truth, and all truth, I put that in parentheses, 
all truth supposedly, even though it's contradictory, is of equal standing. This is the, in our day, it's the denial, it's a denial of the uniqueness of Jesus Christ. That is the spirit of the Antichrist at work in our day, is to say that there is a way to God other than through Jesus Christ and through the cross. And that is the spirit of the Antichrist in our day. That is the synchronism that's, that's going on in our day, and we all battle that. Well, one final factor, and, and I need to conclude. The other factor we see here that contributed to the people being led into idolatry is that of weak leadership. Verses 21 through 24, you know, Aaron, Aaron is talking to Moses. He came down. He said, yeah, we took all this stuff. We threw it in the fire and I couldn't believe it. Out came a calf. It's exactly what he said, isn't it? Out came a calf. And he's excusing himself here. He's making excuses. And I mean, you've got to appreciate that this was a good... Aaron was a great guy. I mean, he was a strong guy. He was the first high priest. He's the one that spoke to Pharaoh, remember, on Moses' behalf. Moses says, I can't talk. Well, Pharaoh went, or Aaron went everywhere with Moses and spoke those words. And so his life was as much on the line as Moses. He'd been a faithful mouthpiece. But there was a lot of pressure here, and we see him, we see him caving in, and he failed to take the stand, and the people fell into idolatry. It's so critical in our day. You can pray for me as a leader. You can pray for pastors around this country that they would not compromise the truth of the Word of God because when, when we do, we lead whole congregations into idolatry. No different than what we see happening here in this situation. Over the next two months, we're going to talk about this highway of holiness. It's not being widened, folks. There's not a construction project going on. It's as narrow as it's always been. And so we're going to look at what that road looks like and what it doesn't look like. And we're going to get very specific about specific issues that are going on in our culture today. And uh, we're just going to pray because we do not, we want to heed this warning this morning even though we're living many, many centuries later, this, this danger is as real for you and as real for me as it was in Israel many years ago. Father, this morning we thank you for your word to us. And uh, Lord, you have given it to us because you love us and because you desire for us to seek wholeheartedly after you because you have so much blessing you want to pour into our lives. So, Father, we just affirm today that you are good. We pray that you would help us when we get impatient. Lord, when we are tempted to not believe because we don't understand, we can't figure it out in our own little brains what's going on. Lord, we're tempted to doubt your promises to us. Lord, we pray that we would not lose sight of all the things that you have done and become ungrateful. Lord, may we not compromise the truth. And Lord, in whatever positions we are as parents, pastors, uh, 
on the job, bosses, Lord, wherever we're in authority, for anyone that's a leader in any capacity, Lord, keep us strong so that we will not lead astray those who are underneath us. And so, Father, we, we pray that you'd use your word today in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.